0: Hello and welcome to Books by Old Dead Guys. I
1: am Scott. I am David, and this is episode 23 of the Books by Old Dead Guys podcast.
0: 23 times now, 23 times we've read together this book, and we are trying something a little new today, and we are actually recording from my office. And so if you can't hear this, it'd be good to know. (laughs) But if you can hear this, it also would be good to know. So just let us know if you're hearing this well. Uh, most of you uh, we have regular contact with, so we would love to hear from you if this is a helpful way. Uh, if you like this better or not, that'd be great. We have been reading together in uh, the second chapter of the book. We are, we've are we been walking through now uh, a series of um, Baxter talking through types of people that we are ministering to. And we we came to the conclusion just a couple of episodes ago that ultimately— we're kind of ministering to everybody, but Baxter is just very particularly breaking down what those groups are. Uh, the last the last time we were together, we were talking about those folks who are in need of reproof or exhortation, and Baxter spent some time giving us a model, if you will, for church discipline, which is a painful, a difficult, and yet a necessary topic. And so we're going to continue on today. With uh, Baxter's words on those who are in need of church discipline David would you like to take off and read it?
1: Yeah so we're picking up on the parentheses number three under number seven <laughs> in the second in the first section of the second chapter so if the, if you can follow that everybody got it props to you here we go props to you so, <laughs> so we're picking up. With these reproofs and exhortations, we must join the prayers of the congregation in behalf of the offender. This should be done in every case of discipline, but particularly if the offender will not be present to receive admonition or gives no evidence of repentance and shows no desire for the prayers of the congregation. In such cases, especially, it will be meet "...that we beg the prayers of the congregation for him ourselves, entreating them to consider what a fearful condition the impenitent are in, and to have pity on a poor soul that is so blinded and hardened by sin and Satan that he cannot pity himself, and to think what it is for a man to appear before the living God in such a case." and therefore that they should that they would join in earnest prayer to God that he would open his eyes and soften and humble his stubborn heart before he be in hell beyond remedy and accordingly let us be the very earnest in prayer for him that the congregation may be excited affectionately to join with us and who knows but God may hear our prayers and the sinner's heart may relent under them more than under all our exhortations. It is, in my judgment, a very laudable course of some churches that use for the next three days together to desire the congregation to join in earnest prayer to God for the opening of the sinner's eyes and the softening of his heart and the saving of him from impenitency and eternal death. If ministers would be conscientious in performing this duty entirely and self-denyingly, they might make something of it and expect a blessing upon it. But when we shrink from all that is dangerous or ungrateful in our work and shift off all that is costly or troublesome, we cannot expect that any great good should be affected by such a carnal, Hmm. partial use of means. Hmm. And though some may here and there be wrought upon, yet we cannot look that the gospel should run and be glorified when we do our duty so lamely and so defectively. Woo.
0: Yeah. So so after the reproofs and the and the exhortations, what he's talking about is bringing the church together for corporate prayer, mm-hmm. really, for these folks that, that that we may see the Holy Spirit work in their lives, man. I think uh, the, the the gut punch of the day so far, and we're now like four minutes into the podcast, <laughs> is, uh, is the when we shrink from all that is dangerous or ungrateful in our work and shift off all that is costly or troublesome, we cannot expect that any great good should be affected by such a carnal partial use of means. In other words, if you shrink away in ministry from the hard things and the hard conversations then you ought not expect. That the Holy Spirit is going to work. Mm. That's that's tough. That's, that's tough, tough to hear. It is, tough and, to hear. and yet true, right? Yeah, like, that was true.
1: That's what makes it tough to hear.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah. man, that's a yeah, that's a hard pill to swallow. And yet, yeah. I mean, you've seen it. I some of the some of the sweetest things I've seen in ministry have come by chasing some of the hardest people, mm. right? And the dangerous temptation every day is to avoid conflict to avoid difficulty, to avoid painful conversations. Uh, and yet leadership, you know, the funny part is this is not really even just a, and this is where a book like this bleeds over into, and um, even those who are not in pastoral ministry, like leadership is the willingness to have difficult and painful conversations at the appropriate times, mm. right? That's, that's what you do. And, and that leadership is not simply business leadership. It's not simply work leadership. It's, it's leadership at home. Mm-hmm. Right to be the spiritual head of your home means to be willing to have difficult and painful conversations when the time calls for it, and to do it in ways that resemble Christ. So speaking the truth in love, yeah, you know, and that is and and that is key. Yeah, mm,
1: that's yeah. good. I love that he, he that all of this is centered around the call to the pastor to be first in praying for those that are being exercised church discipline. Yes. That, that the call, he's making a call to the pastor to be the first and the one who is leading the congregation in prayer for those who are wayward. Yeah. And, and it's in that, it's in that that he says, don't put off what is troublesome. Don't put off what is weary. He, yeah. he understands and there's a difficulty in prayer. There's a costliness To prayer, it's it's not the the easy work is not praying for those who are going astray. No, that is not the easy work. Right. And he and Baxter understands that. And that's why he stops to say, man, if you if you put off what is troublesome, what is costly and don't don't expect don't expect very much to happen.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, you
0: know, the reality of the fact is, as a general rule, the people that you serve will not know how to weep over sin unless they see you weeping over sin.
1: Mm.
0: Right? Like we have lost, if, if that were ever a thing that the church did, it's, it's long gone. Yes. And, and, you know, I don't mean this church, I mean the universal church, but like, you know, to, to, to show people that this is supposed to bring about sorrow in our hearts when this happens and that you model that as pastor, right? Because that behavior, if you model it will be imitated by at least some of your saints and they too will lament over sinfulness, which is really what you're, what you're after with this corporate prayer for these folks is a lament over, you know, that they have been so mired by sin and have been Mm -hmm. so ensnared by sin, that they would be so easily deceived by sin that, 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 you can see where they're headed, even if they can't see where they're headed. And your your prayer is for the Lord to to awaken them and to arouse them and to bring them back to life. And that earnest prayer will sometimes lead to tears. And rightly so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what makes it hard, is that are you are you're emotionally and spiritually invested in the lives of people. And when you are, those people matter. And when they are deceived, it matters.
1: Mm. Mm. That's good. That's good. So, continuing on, we must restore the penitent to the fellowship of the church. Mm. As we must not teach an offender to make light of discipline by too much facility, so neither must we discourage him by too much severity. Mm. If he appears to be truly sensible of the sinfulness, of his conduct, and penitent on account of it, we must see that he confesses his guilt and that he promises to fly from such sins for the time to come, to watch more narrowly and to walk more warily, to avoid temptation, to distrust his own strength, and to rely on the grace which is in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. We must assure him of the riches of God's love and the sufficiency of Christ's blood to pardon his sins if he believes and repents. We must see that he begs to be restored to the communion of the church and desires their prayers to God for his pardon and salvation. We must charge the church that they imitate Christ in forgiving and in retaining the penitent person or if he were cast out in restoring him to their communion and that they must never reproach him with his sins, nor cast them in his teeth, but forgive him, forgive them, even as Christ doth. Finally, we must give God thanks for his recovery and pray for his confirmation and future preservation. Hmm. And so that's the good news, right? Right. That's, that's what, we right. Want. It's it's what you want. <laughs> what that's what you goal. desire every church discipline to work out into.
0: Yes, totally. And I think that's worth saying, right? When we think of church discipline, we think of it as the end goal is to exclude or excommunicate a person from the church. But that's really not it. We, we don't want that. No person who, does, who moves through the process of discipline biblically ever wants that. That may be what has to happen. But what we want and what the scriptures teach us is we want this person to be restored to the fellowship of the church. Now, what joy when the when the the, when the the one who is lost comes home to the ninety nine. What you know, when the when the coin that is lost has been found, you you think of the the prodigal son, if you will, has, you know, when he when he's been restored, like all of these things ought to bring joy. In fact, the very point of Jesus's parables in that passage is not so much that the son was lost, it's that the other sons who've always been there are to rejoice when the lost son is found. Yeah. You know, like that that that's literally what we're supposed to do. Because, but for the grace of God, go any of us. Mm-hmm. Sin is so deceitful. It is so dangerous. It is so disgustingly tempting that it is incredibly easy for you or me or any of us to make one bad decision mm. that leads to another bad decision that leads to another bad decision that results in us being way out there. Mm-hmm. And if we are, and the church is not the ones running to get us, then who is? Yes. And the answer is no one. And that is one of the great problems of the modern church mm-hmm. is that we just let people wander and no one goes and gets them because the confrontation that is sometimes required in that going and getting is painful and hard and difficult. And literally zero fun. Fun is not a thing that is had when any of this takes place. Mm. Mm. Hmm. Wow, brother, that's some that's some punchy stuff. It is. It is. It's probably it's heavy. It's probably a good spot to to land the plane. To land the plane right there.
1: Yeah. Any final thoughts, David? Mm. Well, we'll. Uh... Next next podcast, we'll finish up the first section of the second chapter, uh, continuing and through the Reformed Pastor. So yep. look forward to that next time.
0: Great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate, as always, you listening and taking the time. We love the feedback we get from you uh, that you are enjoying the podcast, and we will talk again soon. Goodbye.